remember Highlander. Remember your home. Another galaxy. You were chosen. Remember? Yes. Yes, I remember. Here we are about to start episode two of Highlander 2, The Quickening, and it's time for a toast. We've cracked open our beers since we're getting into it. To magic, to Zeist, guys. To Zeist. To Zeist. Cheers. Free men of the planet Zeist, drink me. (laughs) That pause was us all drinking Miller High Life. Mm. Oh, here's the champagne of beers. Okay, guys, so. It's actually the Highlander 2 of beers. (laughs) That's right. Uh, so in our first episode, we kind of covered the brief opening of the movie and kind of all the behind, some of the behind-the-scenes footage. More right. behind-the-scenes shit than you ever wanted to know. Right. So we are really getting into the meat of things now. It's the opening credit sequence. Uh, yes. <laughs> episode two, and we're getting into the opening credit sequence. Oh, we're the heroes you deserve. So let's talk about how this all shakes down. This feels very much like to me... Also. I just want to mention, like, this movie also, it has all these influences from other movies. Uh, but it also takes, like, a bunch of influences from Highlander 1 a lot. Yeah. Uh, which I don't entirely mind. Like, it's not like, I feel like it's not like ripping, you can't really rip yourself off in this way. Sure. Like, I feel like it's trying to create some sort of visual continuity between the two movies. Because uh, it's another big, like, crane or sky cam thing yeah. of a crowd, this time right. at an opera as opposed to well, a, first a wrestling they, match. They, they zoom in on the opera, which is just labeled opera. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but yeah. this like this in giant neon letters. It's this like the reminded porn me of the silver of cup. operas. Yeah, uh, this reminded me of the silver cup sign though, like this big red neon sign. Mm-hmm. It just reminded me of that in the first movie. But yeah, we get into the opera. It goes into the O. It's actually this is like clever. It goes into the O of the opera and then out of the O of a woman's mouth who's singing like yeah. Her. Her lips, uh, and she cannot lip sing at all. Nope. That's the thing that kills me. Is also <laughs> especially in the extended cut, they show a lot of this opera. Spoiler alert. The I think this opera scene and like the way it's shot at least might be the best part of this movie. This opera scene is awesome. Yeah, yeah. and like the sh- like these like giant swooping crane shots and the costuming's incredible and it's like some Wagner going and it's all very cool. Yeah, this is a legit. This also is the mirror image of the opening scene in the first movie, where it's the wrestling match. Yeah, right. And it and it like accomplishes the same thing. Like in the first movie, Connor's at a wrestling match and he sees these like kind of violent images, and it triggers like flashbacks, and then mm-hmm. we get to see him in Scotland in battle. Yeah, uh, and this is doing the same thing. He's seeing this opera unfold and the drama, and then he's flashing back to. A very different sort of yeah. past or whatever. We'll talk about that. But yeah, this scene is fairly significant. The opera he's watching is Wagner. It's Gotterdammerung. And this is part of, it's called the, the Ring Cycle. Uh, so it's a set of four operas. It's basically the Lord of the Rings. That's what this is. Uh, and it's based on old Norse mythology. And Gotterdammerung, the finale of this Ring Cycle. Uh, but Gotterdammerung means the fall of the gods. And it's like, cool, we've got, like, neat thematic material here. Like, I'm way on board this opening. Like, if somebody was, like, rebooting Highlander, like, when we did our reboot contest, like, this is a fantastic opening, I think, to set the stage for the drama that could unfold. Yeah, and also, like, just some real subtle things that are in this scene that I kind of like that in a less ham-fisted, more 
well thought out movie would have been really stellar bits of world building rather than having like these hooligans like with a fucking air machine <laughs> like the fact that they're in this opera it's this kind of beautiful building but like the roof is leaking parts of the seats are covered up by like plaster tarp right like these like kind of subtler elements of showing the way the world has fallen as opposed to yeah also if it can't rain how's the roof leaking whole separate question <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah I guess they just got a bunch of i pipes. didn't yeah. even think about that but wow. yeah notwithstanding <laughs> this is oh my god a fantastic opening especially shot. and i just love the like the the sprawling shot of it and i oh, just can't awesome. understand they spent so much time effort and money making this a cool shot how do they not get someone who could convincingly lip sync this opera well yeah. you know what's also crazy is that the costume designer she said she was kind of like getting overwhelmed with like the stuff she had to do and then it was like now we have to do this like whole opera production and it turns out this argentinian opera company had all this stuff and so and these are real opera these are real opera yeah. costumes and these costumes are awesome They're and amazing. like i yeah. don't know if these are the real opera singers or not or i don't know if it's just the way the sound got mixed that it looks like it's terrible lip syncing yeah i don't know i can't figure it out or they're actors playing opera singers i think at least the the person that we're complaining about the woman who kind of kicks off this scene i would be shocked if she was an opera singer hmm. just because the way she's moving her mouth doesn't look to me like someone who's belting anything yeah hmm. like her mouth motions are like way too subtle and like i just want to point out like in the renegade version this opening like really mirrors the original yes movie in the and, renegade cut that's it's even better yeah and it's yeah. like this is kind of awesome i feel like it kind of loses some of its awesomeness when we finally get to mcleod and he's asleep <laughs> his, right. like <laughs> like this entire thing is this exciting thing that has triggered a flashback and his reaction to that insane flashback is he's asleep yeah or is he supposed to be dreaming about it i thought he was dreaming about yeah it, but <sighs> that's that is kind of weird it's so odd yeah yep. i, was, I yep. just want to mention again this like this goder damarong thing like the fall of the gods and just what a sad missed opportunity like there's a lot of these there's elements in this movie and we had complaints about that i think in the original but i think it works better like this idea of oneness in the like there were these themes that were set up and in most cases, we just didn't think they utilized those themes to the fullest. And this is one of those. It's like the opera they're watching could just be the movie. Like that could be just a microcosm of like, guess what the plot of this movie is? This opera. Because that's like a pretty common storytelling technique to kind of show something, a, a play or, you know, reference a book. And it's like, oh, it turns out that's what this story is going to be about. And the fall of the gods? I don't know if that's what this movie's about. It doesn't seem like it to me. No, I guess like they're banished. We're about to get into a flashback in which... There's a banishment. Yeah, I guess, and is, I guess that, that's, is that that's the banishment the... from Valhalla? Maybe? I get yeah. All right, so let's talk about it. Theatrical cut. This triggers a flashback to... The Seist! Pl- yeah. The like, he Christ. turns and he's, like, in, like, a kind of Middle Eastern-looking garb. He's got, like, a Lawrence of Arabia kind of look. Yeah. Hold on. There's also a voiceover that happens here because Ramirez is talking to Connor. Yeah. Remember, yeah. Highlander. Remember. You're home in another galaxy. <laughs> I remember. I remember. And then we come. Good God. This is so confusing. Remember your home. And like all these men are coming together to meet in like the ship from Firefly. (laughs) Yeah. It's like a a tube or something. Some sort of down ship. The planet Zeiss looks kind of cool. I thought like it's a weird desert planet. There are like weird statues, like huge statues. Yeah. This isn't bad yet. 
Then no, they I mean, were in like, that tube. And I, then... I'd say overall, this movie has like pretty okay visuals. Like yeah. sometimes they get a little muddled. Like, well, we'll talk about like the skateboard brothers and all that stuff. But like, <laughs> uh, but I mean, like, I think the costuming in this movie is like the Zeiss costumes are all like pretty cool, They're pretty good. Yeah, yeah. they're interesting. Uh, also, in the Renegade version, have we heard Connor speak yet? No, right? Oh no, I took out that voiceover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so he hasn't said a word yet. Something interesting, right? You're in for a treat. <laughs> So when he said, like, remember your home, my initial thought, I was, again, like, I'm always trying to put myself in the position of, like, if you didn't know, what would you be thinking? Right. Remember your home, Skylander. And I was like, oh, yeah, Scotland in the Highlands in, like, 1692 or whatever. Right. And it's like, in another galaxy. I was like, whoa, what? Zeist is basically, like, the road warrior planet. Zeist Fury Road. Yeah. And uh, we have a meeting of these are rebels. And he says 500 years ago on the planet Zeist. Five hundred years ago, <laughs> it looks like. At first, I was like, "Is this like a group of monks walking?" Like, I guess these are like the freedom fighters or yeah. whatever. This and is the rebellion. What are they rebelling against? I don't oh, know. I have a lot Kata- of questions. General about that. Katana. Ge- yeah. well, but ah, all right. So let's play this. Let's play Ramirez's speech. I think we should listen to his little spiel. Yeah. Free men of the planet Jaish, to hear me. You gather here without a leader for the last time. <laughs> we fight under <laughs> the yoke of General Katana's rule for the last time. And I said it already, but you stand here without a leader for the last time. <laughs> Who is he? Show him to us, Ramirez. Oh, it's a- let him show him show. <laughs> there and there was the clip. Very guys. good. Yeah. Let him experience the quickening. Okay, so <laughs> to a dumbfounded Christopher Lambert. So one of my favorite Sorry. parts of this. Did so- you actually want to play the clip? I got carried away. No, that's okay. You you pretty much summed it up. <laughs> you did. Although it. he does say he's like, I see. Uh, like someone's like, are you going to lead us, Ramirez? He's like, no, it's not me. Because I see with eyes different from yours. What right. does that mean? So it's like, I guess he's like a weird spiritual sort of dude that he's like can prophesize the future. Like, to, again, this all feels very biblical. This is like yeah. a John the Baptist prophesizing Jesus. Also, I was like, is this somehow like retconning like the way he knows about like Connor? Like the and everything? The qu- and like Connor? in the, in the yeah. original movie, it's like, how did he know to find Connor? How did right. he know he's the guy, like the chosen one essentially to be trained? Like, is this what this is an attempt to do? Who knows? Uh, but also, I love that he goes, they're like, oh, who is he? Who's the, the, the new leader or whatever? And Connery's just like, let him show himself. But and then, then he points, points at him. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and then he immediately shows him. It's With like, a really lazy flourish of his sword. It's like, <laughs> And there's like some lightning crackling yeah. and stuff. Also, I just want to say, I hate that his name is Ramirez on the planet Zeist. How are their names still their same names? Why is it? Why aren't their names like Glorpquam? <laughs> yeah, like, Zingledorf. <laughs> If those were the names in this movie, yeah. oh, that would be so good. My name is unspeakable in your language. Yeah. Um, also, his name is Ramirez on that planet. Is his name Juan Sanchez Villalobos de Ramirez yeah. on this planet? And then he just happens to be named that? And is Connor McCloud's name on Zeist Connor McCloud? And I he just so is. happens to be raised by the clan McCloud? Yeah. Again, these are these I, like head scratch moments that like... Yeah. Are they just like in in our human language to understand this scene? Oh. They like translated it to <laughs> Ramirez and McLeod. I'm like, uh, we're, we're not. Suffi- we shouldn't be thinking about this. Well, that, this like, is the problem. Is that it it, it yeah. presents you with to. so many of these things that are just dumbfounding. Yep. Like if this was the only thing in the movie, if this movie, I mean, went along and it was like at some point it was like, oh, I guess they were named Connor. Then that doesn't really make sense. But that was yeah. it. You'd be like, all right, fine. Movies do that for a reason, and it's just so you can identify with the character properly. Because yeah. it's like, if you named him Glorplop, <laughs> I, I would be confused about that. It's like, wait, who's Glorplop? Oh, yeah, he was Glorplop, then then became Connor. Like, it's yeah. like, why don't we just call him Connor? <laughs> that way it's simpler. Like, it's honestly like in Highlander, the series. In the movie, they explore that he had aliases. Yeah. And it was fine, because we kind of only knew him as Russell Nash, 
and then as Connor. Yeah. Uh, and it was like, okay, like he's been hiding his identity. I get it. In the series, like it's like, how many identities are we going to have for this guy? It's like, this is going to get confusing. He's just, just Duncan. He's just Duncan McLeod. Like that yeah. accomplishes something storytelling wise. Like it doesn't actually make sense. But there's a reason we don't really ever bring that up when we criticize the show. I think maybe yeah. we've mentioned it once. Like, oh, it's like he never has like. Yeah. aliases but like there's no reason to criticize it because it's actually accomplishing a positive yeah, yeah in it's the like narrative. this would be cumbersome without it right the other thing i want to say is z glorf doesn't say free men <laughs> of the planet zeist in the renegade version he just says free men of the planet right so we, sh- we should well weird. let's talk about this whole scene and then we'll go back and kind of talk about like the new edit of this yeah. version because this scene changes quite a bit i suppose yeah uh, so in the theatrical version then we cut to i'll say like a baptismal scene to keep this like john mm-hmm. the baptist thing kind of going and there's like a weird water bowl electric- full of like orange goop yeah yeah uh so they dip their little fingers in it <laughs> yeah. and then they just kind of like wiggle them around it <laughs> yeah other. they finger each other and then and then connery like sprinkles some on his forehead yeah, in like some weird a... like note or something uh, yeah. yeah and he says when they're holding hands and there's like some lightning between them, sparks fly. Yeah. He goes, the ancient power of the quickening has joined us. We are now as one. My note just throughout this entire movie is just, what is the quickening? Yeah. And they don't say that yes. in the other one. To Sorry to jump to that again. So Kyle, you bring up a good point is, again, what is the quickening? And we had that question in the first movie too. Yeah. Like the first movie, I feel like it is kind of a weakness of the first movie. Like it mentions it, but like you're never really sure what it is. Is the quickening just their connection with nature? Because Connor meets Ramirez for the and, first time and, and has like- struck by lightning he's like you're experiencing yeah. the quickening and he right. points at him dramatically uh and but we were never sure yeah. it's like oh when they cut off someone's head and get their power we were like in in the first movie is that really not the quickening is the quickening yeah. something else is that just in, in the show it is very clear right yeah. when That's you the cut quickening. off somebody's head you get their quickening so and characters even say phrases like i took your quickening and in the movie it's also the quickening when you jump off a cliff into some water right yeah <laughs> like, just having a good time the quickening. <laughs> yeah. just two guys who are having a good time having a good time having a uh, good so time. so rather this movie could have taken these steps to clarify what this is but instead is it muddles well, it even it further by even just more kind of giving a new definition of it again yeah it's like all right i guess the quickening is their bond yeah. And it's like this magic sauce is like, the quickening. Yeah, I guess it's mm. what the ma- the magic is the quickening. Like that's what magic is in this universe. It's just I called the quickening. Guess. I don't know. I don't it's like electric stuff. Do you guys remember the secret of Nim? Uh yeah. I remember vaguely. the secret of the ooze. Ooh. In the in the first scene of the secret of Nim, like this old mouse guy is dipping his like long nail into a golden pool that's just like in this movie. And that's what I thought of. And I was wondering if Don Bluth saw Highlander too and like <laughs> <laughs> liked that visual. It's exactly the same. He's like dipping his fingers into this weird gold stuff and like writing in space on it. Interesting. It really weird. I, I've got a couple more questions. Sure. Why is Connor chosen? Like, what is. Because. He's like, <laughs> he's chosen to be a leader. Yeah. We see him lead no one. He yeah. fails. He can't even leader. lead a team of scientists <laughs> right. to, to not doom the earth. Well, and like when Ramirez points at him, he looks afraid. He looks like a deer in headlights. Yeah, like he's just like a, an honest kid. Like it's like, I mean, again, this feels like this like sort of Jesus power. It's like, I'm just a normal guy. Like, what do you mean I'm the savior of the planet? Like, yeah. it's like, what oh, is that? I'm Luke Skywalker. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. Uh, I gotta go to Haji Station to pick up some power converters. Uh, yeah, it feels very odd what his role is in this entire revolt or whatever it is we're not given anything and we're told that i guess katana at this point is the best like connor's like what do we do and like where do we start it's like katana Katana. and it's like katana he's like not we you and you start with katana and my note on this is like no 
well, that kind of sounds like the ending. It sounds like you start by like consolidating your power and like <laughs> winning discrete battles that he's not present at, and then like creating like a provincial government to govern the territories that you conquered that for. Because you're engaged in a planet-wide rebellion. Yeah, but- it probably is more than you start with killing one guy. <laughs> also, yes, planet-wide. Like, yeah. right. it, it's like, how big is this planet? <laughs> like, uh, it's like a dwarf planet. Yeah. It's like Pluto light. <laughs> uh, so there's a big crash, and then we cut to the battle. Yeah. outside which sudden suddenly what? desert battle yeah. yeah i couldn't tell like because the sound effect i don't know if it's just an editing thing like at first i was like was general katana ambushing them like i thought at first like the way it was cut was like yeah, boom think... was like a cannon blast outside like oh they're here i think or it was just like a you know elision of these two scenes like oh we'll put a little bit of the sound over it to like smooth the transition no, i think they're interrupted okay yeah so then we get this crazy battle uh so this is like this big lawrence of arabia looking thing this kind of also mirrors the battle in scotland from the first movie yeah yeah. Like, actually, completely. Like, it's the exact same scene. And we meet General Katana for the first time, whose introduction is exactly like Ramirez's. Yeah. He comes in and says to some... Go- or, the Kurgans. Or, excuse me, the Kurgan. He comes in and he's like, find me the one they call Connor McLeod and Ramirez. Yeah. And it's like, okay, like, <laughs> yeah. Also, and they're fighting with guns and swords. Yeah. And not like... In some old-timey musket days where you're like, maybe a sword would work. This is like, they've got submachine guns and other guys have swords. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, what planet is this? Zeist is the planet. Yep. So I have another thematic thing I want to bring up here, just because this movie doesn't seem to have any themes in it that I'm never sure about. So from this scene, I'm like, well, they lose. Is this Connor's fault? Like, he wasn't a good leader in this scenario or something. Didn't even do anything. And I was like, is this... Should this be the arc of the movie? Like, it's like he failed at being a leader or working as a team or whatever it is. Like, he's got this issue and they failed in his past. Maybe if this movie was rewritten, instead of him breaking into the shield thing to shut it down, like, she's got her, like, terrorist group, but they're disorganized. They can't, you know what I mean? Like, they need a leader, too, to make this, like, and suddenly it becomes more of, like, a heist. Like, we got to plan this out. And he's a leader at the end of the movie. And suddenly, now we have an arc. For the fucking character. Yeah. Like, instead of whatever this movie ends up presenting to us. Yeah, it's bizarre. Missed opportunity. So I had a question. He says, like, bring me their heads, is what Michael Ironside said when yeah. he's introduced. And he's talking to a guy who we never see again. And was he the same guy who said, show him to Mustard Ramirez? Was there, like, a traitor? Was that what that was? I couldn't tell. I didn't go back oh. enough to, like, scrutinize it. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Because also, how would he know? Yeah. But he, um, want, he wants the heads of, like, everybody but Connor and Ramirez. Who he wants alive, apparently. But is the heads part of the immortal thing? That's what I was wondering, because yeah. it seems like it's established later that they are mortal on the planet Zeist. Right. Yes, in the theatrical version, they are mortal here. On Zeist. Right. Which is strange, because then it's also 500 years ago on the planet Zeist, so why didn't, like, Katana die of old age in the meantime? <laughs> well, yeah, I we got a lot of I, questions I, about I, how time goes on Yeah, there's a real yeah. question there. Hmm. So, I, I just don't understand what happens here, but, like, somehow Ramirez and Connor, and I guess a series of other people, also get captured. We cut to, uh, like... Katana's, I don't know, weird room, snake room. His snake, his room. snake, his, 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 eel, snake his snake murdering room. Eel pool. <laughs> Katana grabs a, the snake from a pool and he like, he says this, he says, so deadly in their evi- environment, so tame in mine. And I'm like, again, this is a thematic line. Will it appear in the movie? No. Like, I can't yeah. figure this line out. Like, Well, even Connor's follow-up line, which you think, oh, this will mean something later. Nah. They're just waiting yeah, for you to get careless. Right. Yeah. And it's like, does Katana get careless? Like, so, Well, he, I does, was thinking, he does in a way. I guess yeah, his entire was, plan is careless. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What I was thinking was, Zeist is his environment. 
Earth that, is that was, like the yeah. eel water environment. It's eventually revealed that they become immortal right. upon going to Earth. Right. So on Earth, Connor is very deadly. Yeah. And Katana makes the mistake of going to Earth later in the movie, spoiler alert. But also becomes as powerful as Connor is when he gets there. Yeah. I don't know. You're, I agree with you that I think that's what it's maybe supposed to be is that Earth's. Yeah. This is later. We might be getting ahead of ourselves, but like Katana's plan makes no f- sense. Like Katana defeats himself. Yes, yeah, this just, entire movie, like yeah. six times, he defeats himself. Yeah, it's like just let Connor die in two weeks, like everybody said to him. <laughs> right, but anyway, and yeah. uh, I also was going to say I have a crazy theory about this scene. As I was trying to like cull some sort of symbolism out of this movie, <laughs> working really hard. Yeah, I was really working hard. So uh, the snake is the black dragon. He's the Kurgan, and so this movie's mm. telling us. That uh oh, Katana is the the real big villain. No, you're wrong. <laughs> I know, yeah. I know, I'm wrong. Of course, it, of course it's, it's bullshit. Terrible. Of course it's bullshit. It's an eel. It's not a snake. I thought it was a snake. It's an eel. Oh, that's why it screamed. That eel screamed. Yes, yeah. screaming <laughs> eel. Famous eel scream. Also, Katana. He's that's actually worried. the name of the Zeist football team. The screaming, yeah, screaming eels. Screaming eels. <laughs> Katana's belt looks like a wrestling championship belt. He does. He's the <laughs> yes. he's the WWE it's like, is he champion. Undertaker. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I yes, think the costume designer actually said that at some point that she yeah. like was going for a like wrestler look which i guess is interesting he explains looks, his voice a little bit yeah <laughs> he looks cool and also yeah. why he's saying brother all the time <laughs> brother okay brother he's more of a macho man type so we're still on zeiss oh yeah you are like one grain of sand in the sahara desert but the macho man he is the desert <laughs> See, like, it's like he's like one grain of sand on the planet Zeist. Yeah. <laughs> and Katana is the planet Zeist. All right, so we're still on Zeist. We cut now to a trial room or something. Oh, God. So there are these judges. These they're, they're like priests monks. or something. Dudes yeah. with swords. And bald. they say leaders of the rebellion. Actually, we should play this clip. This yeah. is, a, this yeah, is We just need clip. to hit this because this is one of the most deeply confusing parts of the entire movie. And my dick hurts thinking about it. Leaders of the rebellion. You've been found guilty of treason. We hereby sentence you to exile from Zeist. You will be sent to the planet Earth. Once there, you will be immortal. You can only die if your head is cut from your body. Who is one of you becomes the last of us on Earth, he will claim the prize. He can return to Zeist or choose to grow old and die on Earth. All right. So, yeah, first off, those priests are speaking telepathically, I guess. Like, but that's another one of these speaking. No one's speaking. They just stare. And it's like, this is another one of these, like, head scratch moments in this movie. It's like, wait, there's there's also telepathy in this world. And, like, none of this is set up. So you're just confronted with, like, who's speaking? Like, I don't know. This is not visually interesting. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Nothing is happening. Every other pictures of bald men. Every other character in this scene talks with their mouth. <laughs> to be clear, yeah, like, like a true Zeistian. Yeah. yeah. So, how is this a punishment? <laughs> I know it's great. It's great. You get to be immortal. Yeah. On a planet away from the guy who was trying to kill you. Yeah. yeah. So, like, lots of questions here. So, only Connery and Lambert are being judged, quote unquote, in this scene. Who are all the other immortals then? Are they also rebels? Like, who's Amon Fasil and? So I, I have a little game. Uh, the Asian guy. Can we play real quick? Uh, yeah. It's called Dire Zeist. <laughs> <laughs> this again reframes the character motivations for all the people in the first movie. Right. So if the Kurgan won the prize, is he going to die or is he going back to Zeist? What do you yeah. think? Uh, ooh. ooh, when Connery warns that if the Kurgan wins the prize, he's going to usher in a, 
a reign of darkness? Did he even mean on Earth, or did he mean, <laughs> or did he mean on Zeist? <laughs> Uh, like Zeist is a shithole. Why would you want to go back there? I guess to <laughs> save your, your friends, man, your yeah, buddies. I guess. And maybe there's like a real, like beautiful other part of the planet. We said it was a desert planet earlier. Maybe yeah. they're just in the desert of the planet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're just like hanging out in like the badlands of yeah. of Zeist. But like, there's a beautiful tropical region right next door. So this telepathy thing yeah. too. I, I keep trying to like reconcile all this stuff with the stuff that we see in highlander one is this some attempt that like is this what they're tapping into with like the quickening or whatever like when connor communes with nature is this this telepathy thing again it's not explored at all and it's yeah. nonsense but it's like is that it like I don't, who knows i, I mean they could have if they wanted to i guess they could have explained that they could have been like oh these these guys are like head haunches of the quickening like they get how it works like they're the masters of it and we're starting the jedi of yeah i don't know uh, but they're like but are they katana's goons katana seems bound by them katana is clearly not the only problem these guys are sentencing them to exile Right. So, like, they're part of whatever this system is, right? Katana's like, we have a nation of laws, not of men, <laughs> and I am bound by the rules of this system. But they're priests, whatever that means, like, and Katana doesn't like them. So it's like Zeist a theocracy? <laughs> I guess. I don't know. So it's like, very confusing. Or, yeah. like, is there, like, two court systems, and they're, like, in the ecclesiastical court right now? Is, like, that what's happening? Yeah. The, the renegade version the cut of this scene is even more confusing. We're going to listen to that, too. But we also need to listen to now this exchange that Connor and Ramirez have. There's a, there's a lot of stuff going on in this scene. There's so goddamn much. Oh, my God. Will we be together on Earth? Well, not at first. But we are joined in a way that can never be broken. Not even by death. Huh? When you need me, you'll only have to call my name. I'll always find you. If I win the prize, I'll be back. Terminator? Just remember the quickening. Huh? It sounds like magic. Uh, well, they just played the original theme. Yeah. Hmm. Kind of. Prepare uh, yourself. Uh, there can be only one. There can be only one. I mean, this whole scene is just like cram all the stuff from the first movie in. Kind of. Yeah. I can't believe I didn't notice that the original Highlander theme plays in the background. Yes. Yeah. That would have been a treat to hear more in this yeah. movie. So Katana, Katana isn't pleased about any of this. <laughs> all right. I've got a lot of questions. They just then transport them to Earth. Right. Are they transported to different times on Earth? Why do they not remember who they were? <laughs> do- Are they transported to Earth and then grow up as children? That because seems Connor, like it would make Connor, sense. Connor explicitly yeah. references, like, he's got cousins. Like, he's got these, like, family members. It's like, we grew up together. But then right? when we see Katana come to Earth, he's a full-grown adult. He's a grown-ass right. man. Right. <laughs> Did they get sent to the Earth and the events of the first movie happened? Or is this, like, a total retcon? Did, like, the events of the first movie never even happen? But then why could there be only one? Then that just means that Connor and Ramirez have to kill each other. So yeah. there have to be other immortals. Right. right. I assume that all the immortals are in some way exiled from Zeist. So does that mean that, like the Kurgan was a good guy? Fasil oh, was a good guy. Well, they were other rebel oh, leaders. On Zeist. on Zeist. Well, I don't think the Kurgan, because I think one version of the script, when they wanted Clancy Brown to be in it, I think they wanted to retcon that he was being sent as an assassin, just the way like Sonic and Knuckles end up coming down later. <laughs> That's yeah. what I call him in my notes, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, so thousands. Yes. Oh, so I have another question because Connor's also like, well, if I win, I'm coming back back to zeist and it's like you didn't why yeah this is like there's there's so much like fertile material like this 
in a movie that is at the end of the day garbage yeah like there's at least stuff here to explore like this is a good question like he had principles and wanted to come back i then guess he meets we, like a cute girl and it's like maybe i'll hang i guess that's yeah. what we're supposed to imply that he just wanted to be with i don't know like I guess. I, but, but he didn't come back for some reason or like the earth needs him so he stays because he has to build the shield that's he good, like chooses earth over zeist yeah. yeah, although that didn't happen until years later, he could have right. showed like right after he like collapsed on the street or what or in the the, the warehouse after he defeated the Kurgan, he could have just zipped right back up, Ziced right. it out. Yeah. yeah, Connor out. Oh well, actually, speaking of that, I'll bring this up now. I had in my notes. I'm a little surprised. Like you know, Back to the Future Two, the movie starts with refilmed footage of Back to the Future One, where they like alter the dialogue a little bit, and also mm-hmm. like they had to recast Elizabeth Shue's part, and so they film new scenes, like to just replace the actor actress. I feel like this movie could have used a little of that. Would have been nice. It's like, how about you just go back to the first movie a little bit, reshoot the end, reshoot the end, and just be like, oh, it's a little different than you remember, or like, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And then go forward. I think that would have been pretty good. I don't know. Smoothed it out a little bit. Why didn't he kill them? I guess he's like, at some point, he was required by capturing them to go through this weird judicial process with these priests. But he made the call to spare them initially. Like, he obviously killed dozens of rebels in that giant fight. He should have just executed them. Yeah. Because that's what he wants, obviously. (laughs) Right. He obviously wants to kill these people. And he's disappointed by this the priests like yeah sentence. i'm so confused by whatever they're rebelling against because whatever it is i mean let's just say it isn't great but like they have some sort of law and order to this place yeah there's something going on here like katana doesn't have a truly free hand apparently no. hey if you're wondering if these priests will ever come back again no no, no. oh another thing i want to mention about this is just the look of zeist and especially these priests uh we have not really covered on this show yet the animated series yet but the animated series is basically highlander 2 the animated like the entire look and feel of hmm. the animated series is this. Like, the goofy clown guy is definitely kind of based on, like, the hedgehog guys. Like, oh, yeah. It's very strange. Like, the buildings, all of it is, like, Zeistian in yeah. some way. And I don't know when the animated series started production, or did they, like, assume this was going to be such a slam dunk, or were they just super committed to this idea? It's like, this is what we want wanted Highlander to be. And so that's an what interesting question. Venue can we do it in? Maybe the animated series? Yeah. I don't know. It's very strange. That would explain the dinosaur. Yeah. <laughs> the riding of the dinosaur. Right. But like, I don't know. Even the building, like the buildings in, yeah. I feel like the animated series look like the shield generators. And shit. Yeah. Like it's very strange. Huh. One of the artists that designed this movie, his name is Brendan McCarthy. He's a comic book artist. And he had, I'll put it on Facebook at some point. He had all these crazy designs. Like they were going to go even further with all this Zeist stuff. And I guess they just couldn't do it Interesting. for whatever reason. Oh, I also want to say this this scene also feels a lot like uh, Superman. And this is like the Phantom Zone. Yeah. Yeah. Like Ze- a lot. Zeiss looks a lot like Krypton in Man of Steel. It's like kind of desolate and they're in all these weird kind of ugly gray chambers and stuff. <laughs> like Not visually interesting. Yeah. And even the, the Krypton outfits look like zeist outfits yeah they're like very ornate Mm. all right so now we we should backtrack a little bit so that was the theatrical version we talked about so this is entirely different in the special edition well first off like the opera scene is much more extended so like and it's it's, kind of intercut with right more cuts between zeist the battles and the opera and it looks really cool the Uh, opera part the opera does yes well um yeah so what are the big differences like the visuals look very different it's not it's now what does it say a distant past or something like that i forget what does it say it's the past okay yeah so we're not on the planet we're not another planet it's very blue instead of red right yeah (laughs) they actually redid like the special effects which like took a ton of work they had to re-expose all the films so like that 
crashed ship that we see is replaced with this like kind of very Mesopotamian looking Build, yeah. building. Because I was like, where's that firefly ship? <laughs> Where'd right. that go? Yeah. So yeah, he does not mention Zeiss when he's like, says free men of the, the planet. planet. Yeah. <laughs> or the quickening. Or the quickening. I didn't know no that. That's really crazy. Yeah. Which is weird because that's what the movie's called. <laughs> right. Uh, they also cut out the entire scene with katana saying bring me connor and ramirez and there's more of that battle scene there's a lot more battling which i guess is cool i guess you get to see more machine guns right more machine guns in the ancient past they say something weird at the trial like they they try to explain more of what's going on well why don't we take a listen to what the alternate version ultimate alternate version of seist is the alternate facts version of (laughs) 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 let's get on with it the punishment for rebellion is death. Judge them guilty, and I'll execute them here, now, here. You forget yourself, General Kitana. As you well know, for many years we have exiled those rebels and criminals who, like you, possess this unholy immortality. What? Therefore, I sentence you both to this same exile. An exile into the future. What? Silence, General Kitana! In that distant future, you will face other immortals in trial by combat, from which only one can survive. And, as is your way, you will die only when your head is cut from your body. Will we be together? Well, not at first. But we are joined in a way that can never be broken. Not even by death. When you need me, you'll only have to call my name. I'll always find you. Finally, the last one to survive will have a choice. Choice what choice? Grow old and die in the future, or return here with his freedom and faith restored. Now go, and remember, there can be only one. So this is weird, because it makes it sound like they're joining... Like a fight in progress. Well, yeah, like, there's like ar- we've done before, right? Yeah, like there's already people, but they clearly get sent to different times. Yeah, so like that sounds unfair. I guess. And like Ramirez is being sent, obviously, way further back in the past than Connor is. Right. Well, and also they're likening Katana and Ramirez and connor like they're afflicted with immortality they share your affliction like so is this on zeiss is it people who are immortal on earth versus not that i I get the assumption uh, assumption there's no game on zeiss it's like these people are just immortal and as punishment like like they're being forced to play this game for the judge's pleasure or something it's like oh if you want to come back like you have to all go down there and fight each other it's like the is it the beyonder Who's the who's the guy who has the games? Yeah, I think it's the Beyonder. It's something like that. I don't know. It's like that. Like yeah. I, I feel like there's no game on Zeist, but the judges have decided these are the rules. So like ordinary criminals would have been executed, but if you're immortal, instead you go fight for their kicks. And is it because they don't know how to kill? Like what? I don't understand. They obviously know how to kill them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and like why why aren't they just executed? Why are they? Uh-huh. exiled <laughs> i don't know because different rules i guess apply to immortals than to i guess i don't know and there are some mortal and some immortal rebels yeah At least this explains why katana doesn't die over the last 500 years that's right. very it true it seems very clear in the original that they're only immortal on earth mm-hmm. also sean connery doesn't mention the quickening here either oh that's right we are and- bound in a way that could never be broken yeah and also the priest talks with his mouth to katana well i i actually kind of think that's neat like well that that clarifies that it's some 
telepathic thing. But and I, also, it honestly, shows that I he's just, like flipping out. Like, be, shut the fuck up. Beyond all these people, like, are they all listening to like a fourth party? Honestly, when I saw this, I didn't assume there was any telepathy. I just thought it was like sloppy shooting, and the person who talking who's talking was off camera. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think the guy who yells. At Katana is the one speaking. Also, he's the only one that pronounces Katana correctly. <laughs> Katana. 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 Uh, so are there any other differences other than, like, the just general lighting and movie looks better? It yeah. does look also, way better. Also, just as a general, yeah. like, the the theatrical cut is dark. Yeah. It's like, oh, look, another shade of gray and brown yeah. and brown and gray. I am a diehard Highlander fan. I love Highlander so much, and I am a huge fan of this podcast, de facto, because I'm a member of it. How can I show my support and get some really cool shit in the process? Oh, there is one really great way you can support this podcast and support your love of Highlander by heading on over to our Facebook page and picking up a set of our awesome new Highlander magnets, uh, which are available for the price of $25 plus shipping and handling. What do you get for that amazing price? It's an awesome collection of five magnets featuring all your favorite characters. We've got Duncan McLeod, Amanda, Joe, Mythos, and a really cool alternate 1600 Scottish Highlands McLeod. Awesome. Eamon, who made these things? Like, what awesome artist somewhere made these things? It was me. Yay! I made them with the help of you guys and Davis Panzer Productions. Definitely. These are fully authorized Highlander merchandise from the Highlander Rewatch podcast. Yeah! Uh, And if you're an international listener, we can ship these internationally now. Uh, So don't buy them from our Facebook page, but head over to Etsy.com and just search for Highlander Rewatched. And if you place your order through Etsy, we can ship anywhere in the world. Well, I... Pretty much. Wherever Etsy can ship. Wherever FedEx or whoever's going to ship it can ship. We can't ship to the planet Zeist. Nope. No shipping to Zeist. All right. So now we are back to the theatrical cut. And we're in 2024. And Mac is asleep at the opera. The show's over, Mr. McLeod. What does he say? Like, I I thought so, too. I thought so, too. I thought so, too. I really did. It's like, what, you thought someone was going to fight you? Like, you're like, oh, I really did think the yeah. show was over. No, you didn't. You were asleep. He, he oh, no, I did. I did. Yeah, he fights the bellhop. <laughs> Who's also very old. Or the usher, yes. yeah. You know who Connor McLeod sounds like? Old Connor McLeod. He sounds like Joey Vitrelli, who is the messed up face guy from An- Analyze This. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> the gangster yes. that talks like that. Like, that's what he sounds like. Yeah, his old man voice is insane. Comical. <laughs> yeah. And 25 years too old. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's life under the shield, man. He's right. got emphysema. He smoked too much. Yeah. So Mac leaves the opera. And just a little interjection, the extended special edition. All that like sexual assault stuff we saw with Mac driving to the opera, that's now here. Yeah. So that this, that's all stuff he's seeing when he leaves, headed to the bar. Yep. Which also actually answers some questions I had initially because he leaves the opera in the theatrical cut, and then we see him pull up in a car to the bar, but it yeah. looks like the opera is like, they, I don't know, I was like, where is this? And I was like, couldn't he have just walked over there? But it's like, oh no, he's driving there. This movie has a big problem just with like 
geography like where things are how big is this city like where it's, is anybody in relation to anybody else it is a big problem just getting from point a to point b i don't yeah. i don't think i've ever seen a movie with so many like confusing mechanical problems that arise even more intensely at the end of this movie right i'm just like wait where are we what happened how did we get here yep. what the fuck is going on yep. it's so deeply confusing oh also uh at this in the special edition uh when he's heading to the bar he stops off at the payphone which is a tv payphone yeah. Uh, and he calls Alan. Yeah, uh, but he can't get through. He can't get through. But also, actually, in the special feature or special edition as well, there's a scene in the opera where Alan's he there. He sees him. Yeah, and he's like across. Which, and the opera's even being presented, I think, in like honor of Alan Naiman's like contributions. Yeah, right. Also, later on, just a weird little teaser on this thing. You get to hear from John C. McGinley. You see him on TV later, and he's wearing a bow tie and he's in a tuxedo. It's because he was at the opera. Bro. Oh, that's right. The, that's, he's not in... They never show him at the opera in the theatrical cut. So I'm like, that's weird that he showed up to a TV interview in a tuxedo. <laughs> that's a weird thing to do. He's got to look but, up at the cameras. <laughs> but it's because he was at that opera, and they like catch him after that. That makes a lot of it's, sense. It's like a weird... It's just like an odd little thing. Interesting. Also, after he tries getting in touch with Alan, you know, we, we discussed that air machine before. In the Ultimate Edition, or Renegade Cut, the... Air guys confront McLeod at this point. They try like hitting him up for money. Right. Yeah. And they get scared off somehow when they hear he's McLeod. McLeod. Yeah, Yeah. he just gives them like a look, like I'm a tough guy. And they're like, oh, sorry, buddy. And like, which is so weird because like, wouldn't that mean he's like rich and you could probably take him for a lot of money? Also, he looks like a 60 year old man and like, you're trying to, 90 year old man. (laughs) You were trying to like yoke this guy before and now that you know he's got money, you're gonna not. Like, are they afraid because like they're afraid of the repercussions of. Well, do they like find out mugging. that he is McLeod? Is that what... It, yeah. I think maybe they just... Like, I think the implication is maybe he has a history of, like, oh, shit, that's that guy. Like, like he's so famous. They're like, we don't want to be the guys that, like, roughed up McLeod. I don't know. Or that they... Like, does he have a reputation as being, like, a... I don't a know, badass? A badass? Yeah, I don't Why know. would he, though? I don't know. He wears that white suit and that flashback. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Baggy white, like, looking like a real badass. Anyway, now Looking we like cu- a real deputy chief of staff on the West Wing. So we cut to the shield generator now. And there is lots of, like spy music it's like lots of like yeah build more ziggurats uh, more vespian gas so there's these like navy seal looking people they're terrorists they're yeah. ter- yes excuse me yes they're terrorists uh who are like zip lining around Th- going through water zip lining over a weird dam or like sluice or something and which, it's like how are they not being seen oh like, yeah which, well originally they were supposed to slide down the water right. and then at the last minute they f- discovered there were like weird obstructions oh, like God. that you couldn't see so like they would have been ripped to shreds <laughs> oh my God. so that's why they had to install those zip lines which like i actually made a note i'm like these zip lines don't make sense. Why? I actually made a note. These zip lines don't make sense. Why don't they just slide down the water? Because yeah. <laughs> nobody would see them. I'm like, oh, that's why. <laughs> Let's tackle this now because this scene is not really too different from the special edition scene. It's it's, just it's longer in the special. It, yeah, edition. it's like, and it's I think cut a little tighter like it just feels like a little more energetic but one of the things that they add in the special edition is there's this bizarre dialogue with the fish with the fish yeah so i want to listen to this it's this conversation with like the goons and like a guy in like the control or like the goons uh and by goons i mean not the terrorist goons i mean the The shield guard goons goons. the paramilitary shield goons shield also like the shield looks like you're gonna like storm dr wiley's castle yeah I'm calling it in. Security. I heard something. You see anything? I don't see nothing. 
Could be fish. Fish live in the lake. Not in this lake. Yeah, well, I've seen them. It was a fish. Oh my God! That was a, That's scene, a scene that was put back then, in the movie. Then they zoom in on the footage to show that there is, in fact, someone swimming. Yeah, right. It's not a fish. It uh, was a fish. That it was is. A fish. Why would you put that back in? It's terrible. It's arresting. Yeah, I thought it was intriguing. Is it a fish? So a voice comes in over the intercom, and it's like, "Make sure you take the stairs or whatever." For whatever reason, that's Bill Panzer. I don't know if anyone noticed that. Oh no, I didn't. yeah, it's his voice. So he's in both. He's uh, the uh, police officer in the helicopter in the first movie. Put the shards down! This terrorist group called Cobalt, which I guess we don't learn that yet, but led by... We learn that from more exposition later. Yeah. Led by More Virginia TV Madsen. exposition. Yeah. yeah. Basil exposition. So it's headed up by Luis. Uh, and I feel like it's like a big reveal in the, the movie when she takes her helmet off. It's like, it's a girl. A girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Luis Marcus. They like take out some guards and they bust into like the Death Star reactor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess there's like minimal sleep. Like they seem to make their way into this like facility very easily. Like, yeah. Especially into that room that has the Death Star reactor. Yeah. She, I don't know, pulls out like sci fi stuff and she puts like an SD card into yeah. the thing. <laughs> and she's like, it'll be 30 seconds till we can get a reading. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. And then she determines that there is no radiation. Above the. But the radiation levels outside the shield are normal. But this is something I don't get. She goes. Radiation's level can't be normal. This doesn't make any sense. And it's like, what do you mean it doesn't make any sense? That's why you fucking yeah, broke why in. why are you breaking like, in? You had yeah. this hunch. Like, it's yeah. revealed that they thought something was up. They broke in. Well, this is, this like, is the confirmation. And she's yeah. like, oh, this is impossible. It's <laughs> yeah. like, what do you mean? This is exactly what you thought was the problem. Yep. <laughs> it's like, why isn't she like, I was right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very odd. And this is vaguely <laughs> described later. <laughs> yeah. But they escape. I'm presuming all the other terrorists are murdered in their like, in their escape. escape yeah. Well, the people who go in there are murdered. I don't know if Cobalt is like a larger organization or if it's just like six dudes. But, <laughs> but yeah, definitely some of her cohorts get gunned down. By uh, this paramilitary shield security force. Yeah. So they run around the base. I guess there's a cool map paint. Cool map painting? It's actually a very ugly map painting. Yeah. Uh, like know. them going over a catwalk. Yeah. They fixed that in the other edition. Then there's like a helicopter chase. Like there's yeah, yeah. a lot of money going like, on right a bunch, now. Yeah. Like, a, a bunch of all those other guys get shot very easily. Louise, though, when it comes time to shooting her, they all have stormtrooper aim. Yeah. They are just like <laughs> machine guns, just have nothing on her. Yep. She's just invincible. And she somehow managed to get away unexplained. They never actually show her escaping. Nope. Like no, she's, no. She's got like a helicopter like on her ass, and yeah. then it cuts, and like we're supposed to. Yeah, she know like that she's ducks fine. behind a barrel to escape yeah. some gunfire, and then it, that's it. It's like, and I guess she gets out. Like, and they're just like, guys, someone got behind the barrel again. <laughs> I have in my notes here, this is pretty good. Uh, is it I'm, good? Are you telling us it's good? <laughs> I thought it was good. Uh, so while these gu- guards were like marching around, I just wrote in my notes, I was like, man, these guards look like they're out of a terrible, terrible sci-fi movie. And I just was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's they, the ping pong. Like their, their guard outfits are kind of bad looking. Like they don't look good. They also like, look a lot like the terrorists. Like they yeah. both are wearing like these kind of like black Navy SEAL. Like, in a black environment. All black. Yeah. yeah, it's just like, oh, okay. Okay, like, I don't know. This scene of this movie reminded me of, just made me think of, like, every bad video game I've played of the last, like, six years, because everything's in, like, a gray, black, brown environment. (laughs) It's like, oh, you go from, like, a gray, black, brown room into a different gray, black, brown room and fight guys wearing all black. There's a lot of video game dialogue in this movie, too. Yeah. The door. We need the security number to get the door. Like, it's like, oh, boy. Now we cut 
back to this bar. Did anyone notice the sign? That rap? Is, there is a sign that says rap. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I'm like, what is this? <laughs> so here's my theory. Is one, well, my first part of the theory is that those letters can be found in opera. So I believe this is the oh, opera sign that they took apart and they put it over there Just to get to some say, mileage out of it. It has to be it. Right? And I think they thought, it's like, well, rap is bad, right? I mean, I don't know. Uh, and they're like, what uh, could be... What could be serious ra- question that I had not thought of before. Are there any black people in this movie? No. Ooh, whoa. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I don't think so. I think there are zero black... There are no black people in the future. Yikes. Zeist. <laughs> Zeist. Zeist. So anyway, my, my guess is... <laughs> just, just pointing it out. My yeah. guess is especially yeah. the kind of political cli- like political controversy surrounding rap in the early 90s the beginnings of kind of like east coast west coast fe- like all this sort of stuff my guess is it's like oh what music shows that like things are have gone to shit rap like, <laughs> i guess it's weird yep rap 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 uh so there's a song playing in the background it's a perfect world which is i guess kind of funny there's also a lot of humor in this movie that i find is very much robocopy i mm. my notes after there's a scene where they show like a PSA in an airplane, my notes there just say, this is my least favorite RoboCop movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot of humor t- in this movie that I feel like is at place. Humor. <laughs> yeah. Should be in a RoboCop movie. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so Mac. It isn't. It's in this movie. Yes. Mac yeah. goes into the bar. It turns out that that music is in the scene. It's the jukebox. It's yeah. the ju- yeah. jukebox. But he uh, changes it up. And he puts on Queen. Yeah. Uh, he puts on what? It's a kind of magic? Mm-hmm. Yep. To reinforce that again. Yeah. And in the, for UK, the eighth time already. The UK cut did not have that for no, some like reason. No, it's a jazz song. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what the deal is with that. Yeah. Right, sir? The jazz one seems, I don't know, more in place with the scene, even though less Highlander. I don't know. So, again, this is another one of these instances. Not to go down the rabbit hole, the uh, Queen is an existing band in the Highlander universe. Yeah. <laughs> right, yes. <laughs> Uh, this is another one of those instances where this movie is taking a lot of visuals and like even structural elements from the first movie. Like this yeah. bar scene is the bar scene from Highlander one. Like it's a moody kind of smoky bar. This is where our hero meets the female protagonist. And then also, this is also where kind of like right after where he meets her in the bar, that's when I think Brenda follows him after the bar. And that's when she kind of gets wrapped up in like, what's this game? Like some guy attacked you. It's exactly what happens here. It's like we meet at a bar, meet the uh, heroine. And then we get into the fight, and she's introduced into the game. Boo. You look pretty, Louise Marcus. Of course, because there's a news report playing in this bar about the terror attack that goes on. Right. right. And that's this is the first time in the theatrical version that we meet John C. McGinley's character, Chris Blake. Yes, and we find out about Louise and Cobalt, and Mac is super creepy because they're like, this person's a terrorist, and she just jeopardized the lives of everyone on the planet, and he's like, pretty girl. Very pretty girl. It's like, stop thinking with your dick. (laughs) Your old, wrinkled dick. Yeah. My favorite character in the scene is Jimmy. Jimmy, yeah. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts At some point, they cheers, and is he drinking some bizarre future drink, or is he drinking milk? Okay. (laughs) Okay. First, Mac comes in, and... Eamon, what does he order? He orders something called Oskiva. He's like, Oskiva? Oskiva. <laughs> Which I Googled and couldn't find. <laughs> I did the same thing. It, I had to like try to find some train. I was like, what is this? Looking at subtitles, Oskiva. Like, at first, I thought it was somebody mispronouncing like Muscovat. Yeah. Which is like a sweet wine. Maybe. And it was like, maybe that's it. But 
The subtitle, it spells it O-U-S-C-E-V-A. Yeah. I don't know what this is. And when you Google it looks search like whiskey. That, yeah. When you Google search it, all that comes up is Highlander 2. <laughs> so they've just introduced like made up drinks into the, like why are they overcomplicating this what universe? About a double Glenn Morangi on the rocks. rocks. Yeah. I know. Why well, not I, that callback? That, there's so many weird callbacks. Because he's not the, from Scotland? <laughs> Maybe he's just not from Scotland anymore. I don't think we've hung a lantern on the continuity of this movie just being that the first movie did not happen. But he calls him Highlander. Sean Connery calls McLeod Highlander in this movie. Because the movie's called Highlander, but yeah. they never explain why. Right. There's yeah. no reference other than the name Highlander that I can really divine. Well, there's Here. the picture of Heather. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. That's so, no, true. Yeah, so yeah. He's definitely been but there. But those still aren't... Those still aren't dependent on the movie content. Those still aren't dependent on. That's true. Events you that took place. Like seeing Highlander one and knowing that's yeah. what that is. He could have met yeah. Heather at any point. He's a Heather. That's my first wife. Right, Heather. I hardly know her. <laughs> Yes. Uh, very good. So, oh, this is another one of those missed opportunities. Like they try to bring all these references in from Highlander one. I feel like the Glamorangi thing, like, could have been an awesome. He could have not ordered Glamorangi, and it would have been really like interesting. Like oh, they could see the bottle or something, or, or like just hung a lantern on the fact that he didn't want it for some reason. And it's mm. like if he came in and was like, "Oh, like your usual double Glamorangi," and he could have made a comment like, you know, like for some reason, I, like that reminds me too much of my past. Like something to like, like he just had some weird flashback thing at the opera where he was reminded of his past, and like I don't know, Oskava Zeistian, yeah, liqueur. yeah right. <laughs> drink. He's brought a bunch <laughs> of it with him. Uh, I don't know. It's like there's there's just like. Like, there's lines in this movie that mean nothing for I like you know what I mean like the script is so inconsequential on every level. Yes, you're a good boy, Jimmy, and, and Jimmy I think some milk. I think you're a good boy, Jimmy. I think that's why. I think he is drinking milk, and I wonder if that's why he says you're a good boy, Jimmy. Like you're mm, not drinking. I guess that's my interpretation. I don't know. Jimmy's a good guy, though. I like that. Jimmy, Jimmy is a good guy, but then he gets hassled by nobody. <laughs> some lady, some drunken lady. Oh, from from Blade Runner. Is yeah. Like, <laughs> Uh, is in this scene, and she is very mad at Mac. She, like, blames him for her life being shit because she goes to work every day. <laughs> I go to work every day, and my wife is shit, and it's all your fault. And he's like, well, I'm of the opinion that uh, McCloud saved the planet. <laughs> in my opinion, it is the Jedi that are evil. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, what a bad movie. <laughs> yeah. This one? <laughs> yeah. Oh, both. <laughs> so Mac gets his head bashed in by no. This woman? No, he doesn't. He gets his hand. His so, hand, right? Yeah. Well, also, but it looks like depending on the version. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy decides to escort her out, and then she comes over to try to hit. It looks like she tries to hit Jimmy with the oh, bottle, and McCloud right. intercedes, which is why he gets hit in the hand. He says, "Like, look out!" And he right gets whacked. And then while Jimmy goes to scare her off, he steals a, some liquor. Well, that's what I don't get. Is she runs away, and instead of tending to this injured elderly man, who like this kind of injury could be very serious for, it's Jimmy true. decides well, to only, run. Only after... if he's as old as he's pretending to be, yeah. not if he's as old as he is. <laughs> Jimmy decides to run after the woman who's already running away. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. So uh, I was and then... this character Jimmy though. Like I feel like they give him a lot of development in this scene. Like. He we, goes know, on, he, we go on a little journey with like, Jimmy. We, we yeah. get to meet this new I mean, Superman. I mean, he has a name. I mean, yeah. he's just the bartender. Like, he has a name. He's drinking milk. Mac seems like they have a relationship. Like, he seems to be like real buddy buddy with Mac. Yeah. Like, I believe in you, McCloud. Like, he saved us. Like, don't shit on him. Like, this is a character that never comes up again. Nope. I feel like he, at the very least, could be a character that sees Mac after he's become young. Yeah. And has like a boo boo like moment. Like, it's. 
It's yeah. very strange yep. why this character is here this much. Yeah. Meanwhile, Louise Marcus shows up. She changes out of her wetsuit or whatever mm-hmm. and reveals that for some reason she has a handwritten note with the bar <laughs> where McLeod is written right. on it. And for... it's like the 23rd Street bar? Yeah. Which is either the name of the bar or the, just the street it's on. Who yeah. knows? Why? How'd she get that? Who told her? I guess Alan. I think, yeah, I think it's Alan has been, is in, maybe there's in the special edition, is it mentioned that he's been like sending messages to somebody? Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. But either way, she's apparently going to try to meet McLeod. So they they meet outside, Mm -hmm. uh, almost by chant. Like it's like. Well, she like comes down this weird fire escape stairwell and he just happens to be leaving right right at that moment. Terror is a dangerous business. Yeah. Also, can he read minds at this point? Ooh, that's a good question. They, at the end of the first movie, they basically make it so that can read people's minds. Oh. Can he not do that? (laughs) I guess not. They don't bring it up. My sense is no. Yeah. So he blows her off. He's like, I can't help you. Yeah. They uh, like barely even speak. And she, she immediately lays into him. Yeah. Like immediately. I thought you were this guy. And it's like, you're but she's just like, a stranger who accosted me and you're a terrorist. But she's like not saying anything. She's just like, you used to have such passion for the world and I looked up to you and blah, blah, blah. But it's all like these vague, like, yeah. statements. That- and she hasn't explained anything to him. It's yeah. not like she's explained the situation and he's like, still no. She like just like comes up to him. She's like, I'm a terrorist. I need your help. And he's like, no. <laughs> and then she's like, fuck you, you tired old man. And then she hops in his car. Yeah. And he's like, get out. She doesn't want to. So they drive away. And then she still like shits on him a bunch. And yeah. she's like, she broke into the December installation and things didn't make sense. What do you want me to do? And she's just like, that number is doing add up. <laughs> like, what does that mean? Like, maybe right. explain a little more. Three million rads of radiation. Voted illegally yeah. in this ozone shield. <laughs> so there, there is an interesting line here. She's like, oh, what happened to McLeod like everyone used to believe in? And he's like, that was 40 years ago. And I was like, oh, like I did the math. And it's like, actually, that's not when he makes the shield. That's like 1980. It's like 1984 or yeah, something. Yeah, right. And I was like, oh, like is this either it's a giant script error. Yeah. Or I was like, oh, like when McLeod thinks, when, did, when, when was I the hero? It was when I won the game in the mid-80s. And so... He makes a reference that she doesn't even understand that, like... That makes sense. Which I thought was actually kind of cool. It's like, oh, this thing I did that I saved the whole planet was 40 years ago, not the 25 that you think it was. That makes sense. Yeah. And so that's pretty much this scene. And so we're about to jump to Zeiss, but before we do, we should talk about kind of this whole section of film in the special edition, which has some fairly significant changes. Like, maybe not, they're subtle, but they really help, I think. The bar scene plays out pretty normally, except when Matt gets hit with the bottle, and he's like, oh, I'm okay. Uh, and Jimmy runs away, and then he looks at his hand. Right. And we get, like, electricity on his cut, and his cut heals. Heals. And he's like, what? This shouldn't be happening. Right. Oh, and also, yeah. before he even goes into the bar, I guess it's in the special edition that I guess these assassins have already arrived on Earth. Like, well, it's all a little recut. So they're arriving yeah. before he gets into the bar. We haven't said it yet. Assassins are about to arrive on Earth yeah. for reasons. Yes. Well, in the special version or whatever, Katana's watching all this happen on right. a screen <laughs> on Zeist, which, like, who's filming this? Yes. Is this, like, magic? Like, yeah, he has, like, a magic It's a kind ball. of magic. Yeah. Is this a kind <laughs> of magic? <laughs> yeah, he just has, like, a screen, and then the priest is like, oh, McLeod hasn't made his decision yet, and he's, like, still alive. Yeah. He's like, I can see that. I'm not blind. <laughs> so that's when he decides he wants to send his and we'll get more into that in the next scene, I guess. But, like, McLeod gets, like, the buzz when they arrive on Earth, which I yeah. think is also effective. Like, he has, like, an orgasm in the car. 
Well, no, yeah. no, that's later. That's in the the shitty version. Oh, okay. But it's yeah. definitely hinted at before that he knows something's up. Well, Louise sees a disturbance in right. the shield, like a weird, like, bloom, bloom, bloom. Yeah. So, I, uh, uh, but I anyway, know. so his thing heals, but that makes him blowing her off make all the more sense. Because yeah. I, in my original notes, I'm like, why is he such a dick? Like, yeah. he was this great guy before, and like, we don't know why there's this been like, oh, so fall she's of a McLeod. terrorist. Yeah. Well, yes, there is that. There's that. Yeah. She literally just saw a news report that says, like, a terror attack that could have doomed the entire planet was perpetuated by this person but i suppose he might want to listen a little bit well, maybe so taking- but who knows but the reason he blows her off is in the special edition there's extra dialogue and he's like i don't have time for this right now and it's because he knows like i just received some disturbing news right or something and she's like did somebody die and he's like unfortunately not right i think <laughs> all that dialogue is actually pretty okay like yeah. in the scheme yeah. of the way this works it's like oh, okay so i kind of like that that gives that's the reason for his urgency and his desire not to help her because he's got like bigger you know, fish to fry right yeah mr fish mr fish to fry so we should talk should we talk about sonic and knuckles yeah yeah but like the the best way when you like insert sonic 3 into it okay so we're on technology (laughs) all right so after all of this we're on zeist what's going on so we're back on zeist and he's here kudo vino party joe and these two like bird looking guys like (laughs) they do have they literally have like snouts yeah Yeah. they have like Like, beaks beaks yeah like they're like and hedgehogs around like they're like they're like bird birds do I hate these characters. Yes. Because they're insane. So My blood boils much. when they arrive. Yeah. Also, like, they toggle between talking like Dr. Claw and laughing like the little Cretan monster who, yeah. like, totally. sits on Jabba's lap. Yeah. Oh, Salacious Crumb. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And they, like, stick their tongues out. Yeah. Uh, that's who they reminded me of. I couldn't put my uh, finger on it. Uh, they reminded me a lot of uh, the monkeys in The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, these this feels very Wizard of Oz-y to yeah. me. Like, that he's viewing, I don't know, he's got some crystal ball thing. And then, yeah. Uh, well, Katana, like, says... Well, he does to- make a Wizard of Oz reference later. No, he does. True. How does he know that? <laughs> yeah, who knows? He tells him to go to Earth to kill McCloud. And they're like, but he's going to die in two weeks anyway. <laughs> And, he, so and he, then he slaps them. Yeah. And then they just cackle and go. It's so hard to get good help these days. Yeah. It's so, like, no, no, they just give you great advice, son. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So all the questions I have, what year is it on Zeist? So we know it's the past. No. Well, no. Well, so in the theatrical version, we don't know that. Right. So in the theatrical version, is this just present day Zeist? I guess. But then yeah. why were immortals sent to different time periods on Earth? I don't know. And I was trying to think, it's like, does the light speed thing make any sense? But that actually would have the reverse effect. Yeah. Like, Katana would be dead and gone if they were traveling at light speed. Yeah. So, I don't know. None of it makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Is that why these guys look so crazy? Like, Zeistian technology has advanced a lot in the past 500 years? But why do these guys look so goofy and nobody else looks like this? Are they even people? (laughs) Yeah, are they humans? Yeah, they must be, because he decapitates them and gets their quickenings. I guess. So they uh, must not be robots. So they could and, be androids. And so then, I guess, also, how does he know about... They, they know about stuff on Earth, right? Why does he send his immortal... Well, in this version, they're all mortal on Zeiss. So say, why does he send his mortal immortal goons instead of, like, mortal goons? Oh, I see. Yeah, like, why are you sending people to Earth that are going to empower Mac if he wins. I don't. And why send two? If this is your plan, also, why not send six? I have another question. Also, can they come back? That or was Cordo and Rita yes. going to have to kill each other in yes. order to be able to come oh, back? Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. So I have. I also have a question. Like, who sends who? Who sends you to Earth? 
I thought that was like those magical judges. It seems like you can just go. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> well, Katana can at least just go. Well, yeah, he's like, he's, oh, well, I guess I have to do it now. Like, he just goes. I don't know. That seems weird to me. I figured that would be the judge's call. Yeah. Guess not. Anybody know. can go. It's a it's an open pass. Yeah. So they're like the porcupine version of Bulk and Skull. They show up and just start cackling. And how do they enter, Eamon? How do, oh how do we see God. them enter McCloud's field of vision? So the first time I tried to watch this movie, it was like maybe five or six months ago. This is the part where I turned it off. <laughs> like, I, I just like, nope. They like just appear out of nowhere and go, and like... Like, do a little dance. Yeah, like, like, <laughs> like, there's like a little. Like, they're trying to scare them or it's, something. It is so like, much more like the monkeys than I gave it credit yeah, for. But, also, they literally have wings. One but, of them does. Yeah. yeah. But, but, like, there's all that cackling and dancing, and yeah. then instantly. Yeah. It's like, holy <laughs> shit. Like, who is this guy? Like, total, uh. it's like when you pretend to be like a spooky ghost to scare a kid on Halloween. Like, that's like the hand motions he's doing. It's like the n- least scary thing of all time. I'm just like, I hate this. And one of them is on like a crazy hoverboard. Yeah. And the other one has wings. Has like wings. Which in the theatrical version aren't really illustrated. They don't pop out or anything. He just starts flying around. He just starts flying around. Yeah. Whereas in the the renegade version, like they show him like pull the wings out. Yeah. It's like Buzz Lightyear wings or whatever. So Louise has to hide in a dumpster. <laughs> yeah, Max, like, oh, I did you. While he faces these guys. I have a lot of problems with him sticking her in this dumpster, which I'll we'll talk about in a little bit. But just how it's not cool. Not, not cool, not but like even <laughs> even like structurally in this movie, like there's reasons for her not to be in there, and it would really help the plot along. Well, these guys are floating around, and they mm. start shooting like a fireworks. They've cannon. got like a magic gun. Yeah. yeah. So they start blasting at him, and then. Connor goes, Ramirez, my good friend Ramirez. <laughs> help me. Help it's, me, Ramirez. What? He the... doesn't come to help him. Yeah. No. It doesn't happen. So he's lying in that scene on Zeist. Also, like, he didn't invoke this power when he had to fight the Kurgan. Yeah. I guess he forgot. Is that like what's happened? Like he forgot about Zeist? Or it didn't happen, right? Yeah. <laughs> this whole set somehow feels like a little like the super mario brothers set to oh, me oh it does and i actually i actually googled like to, the super yeah. mario brothers movie. i was like oh is this the same like part because the these set? guys are the goombas <laughs> max getting chased and he mm. rips he has superhuman strength out of nowhere like he rips a pipe but like then, a railing i mean i'm willing to buy that anything in this well, universe like, is dilapidated it's loose. it's loose or whatever all right yeah. so he pulls and, and he the thanks pipe off. ramirez yeah is that, no is that who he's thanking yeah is he thanking that, god I, that's that no, was my question he, i took it as he's thanking ramirez he's like thank you oh, <laughs> he just say my old friend yeah he says yeah. thank you my old friend oh that's so but like, jesus is his old friend <laughs> <laughs> but why oh, are you thanking guys, him for this like loose like railing <laughs> peace guys did jesus ever go to zeist <laughs> yes <laughs> that's where he's from yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's also where jesus is from. yeah he was in the crowd <laughs> but like this this mutant assassin from another planet can't fight elderly decrepit mcleod like he's having a lot of trouble yes fighting mac and like all of a sudden now this is where his voice become so crazy yeah it's like because if he was like a 50 something which is how the math works out yeah like i could see him still fighting pretty well and yeah like yeah. being like he did win the game after all like he's right. a great swordsman like maybe he handles this guy but if you set the scene that he's like outmatched by a woman with a bottle and like <laughs> falling asleep in the opera, opera yeah. and like 
dude like can barely speak it's like what is happening the sword fights in highlander were pretty good yeah. they were fun to watch like well choreographed this is just a boring it's very sword boring. fight I don't know if it's because of the choreography or because it's hard for that guy to move in his costume. It wouldn't surprise me if that was very hard know. to move in. The way it was yeah. shot, like the style of the, the scene, it felt a lot like the Silver Cup fight, the one on the roof. Like yeah. when they're fighting among the scaffolding. I was like, oh, like some of this kind of feels evocative yeah. of that. But no, it is it's not very exciting. boring. Yeah. Very boring. Uh, and it's and long. I, I feel like the music it does not help this movie. Like no. I actually, I was listening to music yesterday a little bit. And I feel like listening to it on its own, I was like kind of into it. I was like, you know, it does have this very symphonic feel to it. Like it feels like it could just be a piece of music that was written on its own. Like it feels very like late 1800s. I like a lot of it. I just don't think it was the right fit for the movie. You mentioned that this guy should easily take Mac out. For me, this is the reason that Luis is not in the dumpster. Katana is like, look at that old man. Finish this now. Just go down his misery. Go down and do it. Oh, I didn't count on an eco-terrorist being there. And it's like she can be the one to Who, save like, Mac these guys. and to yeah. like help, like help turn the top, like to even the playing field a little bit. And, like, that's the wrench in the works that he didn't count on. And it would make it seem like that his plan wasn't super dumb. I mean, it is dumb, but, like, there's something he didn't count on, at least. And that was Luis. But instead, she's literally stuck in the trash. Yeah. Like, it's terrible. Also, if they do kill McLeod, do they get his quickening? I guess. I guess at this point, at least in the theatrical cut, I interpreted it that McLeod was completely mortal. So they didn't have to take his head. If they just, like, stabbed him, he would die, was how I interpreted it. Like, shoot him with that gun. He's toast. Right. Was how I thought it was. But in the special edition, you know that his immortality has been, like, reactivated. Right. When they arrive. (sighs) It's confusing. So, like, it's just very confusing. So the fight kind of moves a little bit. They're, like, on scaffolding. They topple off onto this kind of cool, like, train Yeah, that part's kind of cool. Also, the other goon is just watching. Well, they argue about whose turn it is to take mcleod so what do yeah. they do normally i was wondering like what is who are are they brothers are they best friends like I was, we're brothers <laughs> are they twins are, are like these guys actually remind me a lot of those two goofy twin characters in the matrix the movie i said i really like oh shit the, 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 the albino, albino like, like dreadlock guys, guys? Yes. yeah, yeah. Guys. it is like that yes it is and they have similar eyewear wow. <laughs> they're ghosts oh uh, you brought up the train we should i think we should play this clip of bill panzer talking about the construction of this train set? Like, this is a little crazy, I think. Yeah, yeah. We needed a train because we needed to cut the guy's head off in the fight. There are two places maybe in Buenos Aires where there were train tracks that were possible. One was a fairly full place that could have been dressed to look somewhat like the street. That would have cost about 20% as much. And the other was to find a place that just had the railroad tracks and to build this entire city around it. So we decided to do the prudent thing and build the entire city. Right, right. After it was really no choice. Once we saw those drawings and then, you know, had a glass of wine at lunch, it was, uh, (laughs) don't cry for us. (laughs) (laughs) Had a glass of wine at lunch. (laughs) I don't even know why, why did they need these train tracks? Like, just put a fake train, like, it can all be fake, like. Or why does he, his head have to get chopped off by a train? I don't, I don't I don't mind the train thing. I think that's a cool It's cool, but I'm like <laughs> Yeah, if it's gonna be that prohibitively expensive, it's just like eh, we can think of something better. Yeah. yeah. So know. anyway, that's what's going on with that train. Uh so the fight ends up 
toppling onto this train. At which point, either Cordo and or Reno... Yeah, who knows who's yeah. who? <laughs> just yeah. Why do they even have names? Who yeah. cares? Beating so, the shit out of Mac. So Bebop is just <laughs> punching him in the face with his sword yeah. over and over. And he punches him like six times. Yeah. It's, and like brutal. And if he's, again, if he's as old as he's supposed to be, like, he is dead. Yeah. <laughs> then he, like, falls off and gets his head run over by the train. Is the head wearing its goggles? No. No. Okay. Yeah. That's a, well, at one point, Matt gets the advantage on this guy because they go past, like, a burst water main. Oh, right. And right, he gets right, water right, right. on his stupid goggles he's yeah. wearing at night and has to take them off. <laughs> yeah. And then Mac is able to, like, pull him between the trains and like kick them down under the wheel so now it's quickening time this is pretty cool uh this is awesome i think yeah the animation of this lightning i think is really good they also like characterize it like it like crawls like mm-hmm. it's like it's got like a personality like it looks like a hand and kind of inches its way towards it's mac just, and then it it's grabs a thing yeah. yeah it's like hopping from like can to can and then eventually to like cars and stuff and the cans are like exploding off the ground this is really cool the like, explosion's like, awesome this explosion is nuts like yeah everything blows up it's, it's pretty spectacular i like this also what you how do you guys feel about their insistence on showing every decapitation in this movie i do not like it i don't like even in the original that they really show it that much and it looks very corny yeah when the <laughs> when his head gets removed by the wheel yeah yeah also this quickening is so fucking awesome and every subsequent quickening <laughs> it gets dumber and dumber and shorter and shorter there's only two subsequent ones yeah yeah but they're One all them is uh, in they're two all minutes. let down to the, from this like yeah. this is really awesome this it is, is really awesome cool. so everything yeah. blows up like yep. everything blows up mm-hmm. and then a tractor trailer like a full of some sort of gasoline or something yeah. is careening towards mac the cabin detaches it's got lips, lips on it yeah. <laughs> yeah. and i guess it crashes into mac or hits something right before whatever it explodes right before it hits him okay for whatever reason right but my note just said this quickening definitely killed people yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. everybody yeah. dies jimmy gets exploded <laughs> jimmy you're a good boy jimmy jimmy <laughs> jimmy so jerry jerry oh, there is a jerry moment later there in this is. movie <laughs> uh so then we're like oh what happened and then mac emerges. heroically emerges yeah from the shot. fire it's awesome yeah, yeah this is everything like really about cool. this is awesome yeah uh and he comes out and he's young again looking mm-hmm. handsome he's got long hair now yep. which well i guess he had long hair as old mac but but yeah. why is he young again? Mm. I don't know. Uh. Was he on his way to becoming young? He was re-immortaled. <laughs> like when he got the electricity on his reason? hand? I don't know. But, like, that, but again, it was just, that this was just kind of jump-started it. Like, oh, we're going to get real quick. and doesn't make any sense, but it's cool. And we get the new Highlander theme, which is not the original. This is some new yeah. theme that it's not, not as good. Not remarkable in any way. No, it is not. No. Uh, I was also curious, like, do you think they wanted to not use the music from the original? Or we had heard a rumor, this was not confirmed, that Michael Kamen did not get paid for his work on the first movie. Do you think that is, one, why he's not in this and two, why he wouldn't even allow them to use the music. Like, maybe that something happened with the rights to that. I don't know. But yeah, we're not done yet. Yeah. No. So the other guy has like his vulture buzz white ear wings and is yeah. like starting to fly around. Meanwhile, Mac goes and snakes that hoverboard, baby. <sighs> this scene, I'm like, them flying around looks good and is like cool, but it's like boring. What? It's way too long. It's, yeah. I, it's like over two minutes, I think. They're flying around. And in the Renegade version, it's even longer. The sets in this movie, they are impressive. These are yeah. huge, big sets. And 
they're kind of neat. But I feel like the fact that they are doing this chase for so like it feels like a, watching a cartoon and they're running and you know how the background yes. just keeps repeating running, and it's just like at some point I'm just like where are like who cares like we're just going in a circle. Well, it doesn't look point. like well, they kind of are. They're they are kind of yeah. just like on like a little jousting ring. Yeah, but it doesn't look like they're chasing each other. I don't think they're almost ever on the same the screen at the same time. Yeah, they basically aren't, which yeah. really cuts down on the excitement because there's just no- like one person and there's another. Who knows yeah. how close they are? What are the stakes? There aren't any. No. Yeah. This should not be two characters. This should be one guy. And if they want to do a little of this flying thing, I'm okay, I guess, with that. It's like, oh, it'll be a special effects thing. It'll be neat. Like, just one guy, though. And it's like, they can sword fight. They can have the chase. And with the train, big explosion. Like, but this is such a letdown after that big explosion. Yeah. yeah. It's not exciting at all. No. Lambert, for some reason, in the... Or, sorry, put Luis on that fucking thing. Again, a way to get... Like, because I was just thinking, it's like, oh, well, maybe like I get, maybe they were thinking, like, oh, well, we want Mac to do it, but he can't ride the hoverboard because he's old. So we've got to get him young first, then he can ride the hoverboard. Like, that's right. how they're thinking logistically how to make the scene work. They can fix all of that by getting Luis involved in the scene, as they should, because it makes sense. Because she does nothing in this movie. And it's like, have her yeah. be the person on the hoverboard, helping out, so we right. still get that going on, and... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. Lambert, like, loved this hoverboard scene. Like, he was way into it. So we should listen to this clip of him talking about how neat it was to fly. I was flying, literally. So it was a lot of fun and very exciting. If you look at the movie, this is something I haven't seen yet done as well in any other picture. And it was a gamble because we didn't have the technology that we have today. It was new what we were doing. And it's great. I love that kind of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Never seen in any kind of movie. I love that kind of stuff. Back to the Future 2. Back to the Future (laughs) 2. I, although I do think they had to like redesign some of the hoverboard stuff in this because of Back to the Future 2. Mm. Or Zemeckis redesigned some of it because he heard they were going to do it. There was action on that Cause front. Because what, what year did Back to the Future 2 come out? 88 or 89. They made some like big deal in the special features saying about how they did the hoverboard. And it's like there's like elastic through his pants so that it's like it moves with his legs. And they made that sound like it was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> I was like, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's okay. I think it looks like cool. And I'm like impressed that they did it. I I think if it was shorter, it would have a lot more. But impact. it's just it's too long. Like a quarter of the length. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't think it's like bad, really. Uh, it's not exciting. Oh, I mean, again, we we literally just saw a hoverboard sequence in Back to the Future Two. Yeah. And it's like, wow, that worked well. <laughs> like, like yeah. that was that's a really exciting scene, and this is kind of boring. Hoverboards don't work on water. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, we also have not talked about the homeless man that I guess did not get incinerated in the quickening. He looks up at it at a flying alien. <laughs> he looks up at a flying alien. Hey, you got a light? <laughs> like, there's no big deal. You got a light, and then he shoots him with a fireworks and cannon explodes. and blows him up. Yeah. And then cackles. Yeah. <laughs> and they kill cops at this point, too. Yeah, yeah at some point, he play blow up a cop car. Yeah. yeah. Cop killers. Cordo and Reno cop killers. So, like, Mac eventually gets de hoverboarded. But then he gets his secret tripping, weapon. Right? He just trips, yeah. I think. Right. Yeah. yeah. Gets his secret weapon, a wire. Right. Yeah. And so he, like, wraps it around his sword. And then this whole scene also feels like Batman to me. Come yeah. on. Come on. Come and get me, you six. Like, remember the, the, that's oh, the yeah. scene, right? Yeah, where yeah, where yeah. the Joker's taunting Batman and the Batwing coming yeah. at him? That's this. Like, yeah. 
I feel like this, they're just aping on that. Yep. But he holds up the thing and slowly rips. Yeah. Him. Like, what does he fix the other end of the wire to? I it's assume like it's attached just... to like a wall or something. Yeah. And somehow the wire removes his head. And is that tall? Like, I don't know. How tall can he hold the wire up? Yeah. And like, how taut can he make it? I don't know. This is insane. And like, why wouldn't he just like flip around? Why would it actually remove his head? I don't know. It yeah, makes no sense. Know. It looks real it's, dumb. It's just cartoony. Happens. And it's like, did they not want him to cut? Like, why even? Why doesn't he actively cut this one's head off? Yeah, that's a great like, question. Like, and I, I like the idea that, like, oh, the first one, like, because he's an old man, like, it's kind of accidental. That's okay for me. But it's like, now he's like badass McLeod. Fucking chop, chop his, his head, head off. off. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, it's like, let me set a little trap here. Like, yeah. ugh, like it's what you do. Well, first, I want to oh, talk wait, about his dummy, like, the dummy body, <laughs> like, colliding into the wall. And like, yeah. Like, Wiley Coyote style. Yeah. <laughs> Splat. It's just like this, like, Really, like, stationary mannequin body, like, slamming chest first into a wall and exploding. I thought that was really funny. So then we get another quickening, which is our second quickening in, like, five minutes. minutes so, like, yeah. boring. And so I have some questions. This quickening happens, and there's, like, lightning, and it would appear the lightning, like, bounces off the shield and yeah. is deflected to Scott. I can't tell. Like, does Ramirez appear in Scotland because that's where he died, or whatever. Or it's maybe this movie, movie posits is that's where he's from. Uh, <laughs> or that's where he died. Well, yeah. yeah. Is that why? Or was it supposed? To, was he supposed to appear with Mac, but the shield got in the way and deflected it somewhere Ooh, else? I didn't think about because they they show the lightning hit the shield and go somewhere else. And I was yeah. like, ah. But here's my other question: Is does McCloud actually get this quickening? Does he deflect the quick? Like, is Ramirez made of goo number two's quickening? Uh, no, it doesn't matter. I know. No, sh- none of this movie matters. <laughs> Literally, the hours we are spending talking about this doesn't matter. This movie's terrible. <laughs> but but is that what's is? Does Mac get the quickening? Like how, what? I don't. Know. I think we're misusing in the context of this movie. We're misusing the word quickening. I think. <laughs> The quickening is the magic red goop that they put their hands in, not what happens when you decapitate another immortal. He's making good on this ancient promise somehow, irrespective of decapitating this other guy. Otherwise, what a dumb power. I it's guess like, call my name immediately after you've cut someone's head off, and yeah. I'll maybe come if I feel like. Well, that's what I don't understand. It's like, why didn't Ramirez come initially? That doesn't make sense. That was why I was leaning towards like, did he need some quickening juice to make he, it happen? He says like, call my name and I'll come find you. He doesn't say I'll show up immediately. So like, he but calls, he doesn't. But, he, but like, the process is set in motion. I, yeah. All right. I think that's the. I think just like the wheel of justice turns slowly. And, like, <laughs> You know, all right, so he makes the clarion call and then like eventually Ramirez appears and then he has to make his way to where he is. Okay, so here are my other questions. This is where it gets good, I think, right? Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So, one, did Connor just win the game again? My thought was yes until Ramirez shows up. Then he unwins the game. Yeah. So then, second question is Ramirez shows up before Katana shows up. Well, these are both intertwined. If Max Plan had gone accordingly let's say like he calls ramirez because he's like in the shit he's like i need yeah. help so let's say ramirez showed up right then and there if max plan went well ramirez and connor would have defeated the two goons together and then what like this then is they just would have been immortal buddies forever that's not yeah. the game like or best again, friends forever then then do, do they have to kill each other I mean, honestly, if they as far to. as like our weird yeah. reboot treatments went, like this would have been a crazy way to get to that point yeah. of will we ever have to fight each other? This yeah. is how you do it. Like it's like oh shit, like that isn't even bridged in this movie, Mm-mm. like at all. No, that they might have to fight. So who knows when the game is? The game is won countless times in yeah. this movie. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> 
Well, no, we can count them. We can count the number of times the game is won in this movie. He wins it after he kills Reno. Reno. He unwins it after Ramirez appears. Right. And so and then, then he, he wins, wins it again, again when he kills Katana. Katana. Yeah. Uh, so Connor McLeod has won the game three, three times, times already. In mythology. And oh. there's more to come. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, well, I think that's a pretty good place to uh, wrap it up. What have we talked about this episode? We are really... We can, we made some good headway here, yeah. I think. This, well, also, this fight scene is long. So, yeah. I mean, it takes up like eighth of the movie. Yeah. It's so long. Good it's, gravy. It's a major set piece to this movie. This is like the big part of this movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, I the feel. quickening might be the best part. The quickening in that... The quickening is the best part of the movie. The quickening yeah. in that opera are the yeah. two best parts of the movie. And the yeah. getting dressed montage, which we haven't gotten to yet. Oh, oh that's a distant third. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very distant. <laughs> very good. Well, next week we're going to be tackling Sean Connery. Yeah, we're going to be talking about Sean Connery being in this yeah. movie and his charming scenes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, very good. Well, thanks for joining us this week. Uh, make sure to like and follow us on Facebook for all those updates each and every week. Yeah. Best original Highlander content you will find anywhere. We've been your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This is Kyle. This is Eamon. Bye. See you. But we're like shoot womp rats in Beggar's Canyon. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>